Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Him and I visited this morning, and he's in a good spot. He's in a good spot. I know he was real frustrated last night, you know, and he, you know, he took some shots. You know, they got a great D-line, and he took some shots, and he was in the open field where he took some shots in the open field. So he's a little bit sore today, but he'll be okay. He's got a great mindset going forward about the improvement, you know, what he's going to improve on and, and the things he's going to work on with the offensive staff. And, yeah, he's in a good way right now. That is here's Coach Matt Eberflus talking yesterday about a chat he had with Justin Fields, the present quarterback for the Bears. Welcome and welcome back. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Last hour of Saturday suckage. We at the tail end of this, we will bring you the Parkinson Spiegel interview with Trent Dilfer. Talks all about Justin Fields, what he sees, what he doesn't see, what he has, what he doesn't have. Also have a cultural zeitgeist moment, I want to recall. And for now, we're going to go to the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and talk to Cam Ellis, covers the Bears for Chicago Sports Radio 670, the Score. Cam, welcome back. Thanks for coming on today. Of course. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Doing okay. Doing all right. I'm doing better than Justin Fields sounded um, yeah. the almost, the almost thing. We're almost there. We almost did this. I'm tired of being almost there. And what, what specifically, or what percentage, or where would you just, how would you come down on what part of being, of not getting there, is Justin Fields' fault after six games this season? That's a good question. I, I think it is a significant part in terms of the full season. I will say on Thursday night, I don't think it was actually Justin Fields' fault at all. Like, I think there was less of Justin Fields to blame on Thursday night than there has been uh, over the course of the season. Um, but I would say, you know, 30%. I don't know. Like that, that sounds like a fair number to me. He has not been, I think, as good as people expected him to. I think that's a fair criticism at this point, but also the it is it is comically bad how how insufficient the team around him is. Cam Ellis is my guest. He covers the Bears for Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. That's the station you're listening to right now. You've got Saturday Suckage. Thank you for joining us. So the the performance by this offense inside the five, did it expose anything new? We had a texture who wondered, why would you sign a fullback and not put him in? Did it expose Luke Getze as a guy who's, 
who looks like a first-time play caller forgets who's on the list? Does it expose Justin Fields in not audibling or not taking advantage of his legs? Luke Getze is to blame there. Does it expose anything we didn't already know? Because that was pretty significant. No, a, a, their Optistat said no, no team has ever in 40 years, no team has ever driven 60-plus yards, gotten inside the five, and gotten zero points. So even for the yeah. Bears, this is bad. So did we? Did you see anything, any more reason to fear where this offense is going or evaluate it, or did it simply confirm what you already knew and why? Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, usually when the Bears score seven points, you're used to going, oh, you know, they had 110 that yards. They had like 400 yards of offense. It, I'm not sure I've ever seen a game like that. Um, I, I think it just confirmed what everyone already knew. I'm not sure. Like, would you be surprised about any offensive woes at this point? Like anything the offense does poorly at this point, nothing's going to surprise me. And maybe those are fatal last words before they, you know, score two points and run for five yards or whatever. But I, I wasn't surprised as much as I was, you know, as much as it confirmed that they maybe don't really have a great sense of their personnel yet. You know, like I, I don't know why David Montgomery isn't getting the ball on the one-yard line as opposed to Cleo Herbert. You know, I, I don't know how, how, how well run or how well drawn up the route on that final play was, you know, having it be that shallow instead of having it be three yards in the end zone. Like, I, I think they were all just different scenarios that team that, Bears fans and people that have watched the Bears have already seen in terms of a a play caller who maybe doesn't quite have a comfortability yet, both in terms of play calling and also in terms of play calling with his personnel and knowing what the personnel does and doesn't do well. So I wasn't surprised as much as I was sort of disappointed. You know, I feel like the parent being like, we're not mad. We're just disappointed. I, I, I just thought there could have been some smarter decision-making and I thought it's, it's pretty easy to be creative on the five yard line. I, I, I would have liked to see a little more of that. I thought. Cam does, does I'd say my first and really my only thought is Khalil Herbert is the guy who looks as good or better than I would have expected. Is anybody on offense, anybody else on offense look as good or better than you expected? I think David Montgomery looks as good as I expected, but that's kind of it. I think you're right. Khalil Herbert is the only guy that hasn't been a pretty big disappointment this year. And I think that Justin Fields makes plays that show that he is as good as expected, but he hasn't been playing as good as expected, so, so to speak. So, yeah, no, I, I don't. I can't, it's hard for me to think of someone who is consistently playing up to or above expectations. You know, I think you could maybe make a an out of the box argument for Tevin Jenkins, but he's you know hasn't been getting all the snaps that I think he probably should. Uh, otherwise, no, I, I think that it is it is an underwhelming offense basically at every position, which is you know it's not news to anyone, but it's it, that somehow doesn't make the sting any less um, any less painful. It feels like. No, it doesn't. And we knew they were going to be bad, and I felt bad, but I'm, and I feel bad that I'm getting frustrated and feeling bad about watching this crap, and, and I want to see <laughs> – but I want to see somebody get better because that, was the, that right. was the carrot of this season. And the, the, it starts with Justin Fields, and I still don't see a guy who looks like he knows what an open receiver looks like in the NFL. I don't see a guy who can throw 
in efficiently and knows enough to get rid of the ball and maybe killing his offensive line. They got to be turning around at some point, yelling at him, throw the ball, make us look better, yeah. and 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 help yourself because the abuse he's suffering is brought on by himself. And I do want him to make it through this season, and and I assume the Bears do too. But as you were mentioning that this, you know, is this this administration isn't married to really anything however it bottoms out they aren't married to this quarterback and i'm not saying they're doing mm -hmm. anything i'm not saying they're doing anything not doing anything to help him they're trying but he's gotta help himself and i wanted i i wanted to find something you're no help to me cam i wanted to find something that was getting better <laughs> so maybe you can answer this why can't they start a game like a professional team that is practiced all week? Uh, do you have any other questions I could answer? Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's a, it's a great question. I think that, that, that sort of hints at, I, to me at least, the biggest failure of the season, which is not one particular aspect of it. It's that no one is on the same page about it. You know, Justin Fields didn't get any better. Justin Fields is not making the players around him better. The, the players are not playing up to certain standards that I think, you know, they were not all that high in the first place, but also they're not playing up to that. And then the coaches don't seem to be really doing things that you would expect the coaches to do with these personnel. Like it's just no one seems to be helping one another. And I think that is, the weirdest part about this season is that you were, at least it seemed like people were going to be okay with a not talented football team. If there was a sense of everyone being on the same page and the offensive court, the offensive staff helping fields and then fields, you know, in turn rising all tides. But it does seem like there's sort of this weird budding, not butting heads, you know, in terms of friction, but in terms of what Justin Fields does well versus what the offensive scheme wants to do versus what, you know, Darnell Mooney's timing is. And you, you would have liked to see a little more cohesion, even if they weren't the most talented football team. And I, and I think that sort of widespread lack of cohesion is the, big, is the big sticking point for me, at least in terms of what's going on this year. So one of the things that Eberflus said, that they would do, the coaches would do, as they would spend the next three days this weekend evaluating every player, coach-player relationship, every player, every, every unit, and break it down. Three things they do well, three things they need to do better, which I think is a great way to go about it. And I mm -hmm. don't know that we have an idea of how this team, how, this, how these coaches teach but what I've liked, you know, they've, they've trailed at halftime of every game, but they've had a lead in every game. They haven't been able to hold that lead every time. I do think this coaching staff, and it was a low bar that Matt Nagy set, I do think, think this coaching staff offensively, defensively, wherever it is, has shown the ability to make adjustments during a game. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you hold out hope that this seems to be a, sa a game-savvy coaching staff, and why? What are the things that jump out at you? Yeah, I think, I think um, that is one of, the, has been one of the silver linings, is that there has seemed 
to be a a willingness to adjust. And it feels so stark when, in, in actuality, it's a very normal thing for coaches to do. We're just we're in Chicago; they're not used to it, so it's just crazy idea that you know you can make in-game adjustments. Um, I, I have been mostly pleased. You know, I'm sure there's lots of smarter people out there than I that can talk about route scheming and how they're manipulating defenses. I just like that they seem to be more aggressive now. They seem to be more willing to take shots. You know, there was there was a weird conservative tone to the way they approached game planning early on in the season. And then they were, whether it was, you know, going three runs in the two minute and then just punting it away or punting at midfield or, or not really going for it on in advantageous situations. There was, there was a little bit of hesitancy to sort of play modern football. And it seems like in the last couple of weeks, at least they have started leaning into more of that, aggressive going for winning uh, in that sort of sense approach. And that's, so that's what I like. I just, I don't think there's any reason to not play a little bolder than the roster maybe should because of what else you have to lose. And when they were, when they were sort of playing it safe, I thought that was sort of doing the scouting aspect of their team a disservice. So I like the idea that they are, they're pushing it and they're trying things. And if they're going to lose, they're going to lose trying something. And I think there's, there's something admirable to be said about that. The earlier in the show, we had when, when Mark Rody was on market replayed something from Michael Irvin talking about Pittsburgh, they're going to lose games, but that quarterback and that receiver, those guys are getting together and they're they're They've got a, a, synergy they've got a great relationship you can see the communication they're going to grow together and you know that's missing with the bears and yet Mm -hmm. don't don't i have this right that darnell mooney and justin fields worked out in the offseason together wasn't that the whole (laughs) right didn't they do that yeah yeah yeah. did i miss this did i dream this what no yeah they filmed the whole chipotle together it's commercial together too i don't know lakefront um I, I I think it's the about as fair criticism as you can um, as you can hang on a first year GM is what they haven't done to surround fields and and I know that there's a pretty there's a year over year there's a pretty high success rate of early round wide receivers now so so you go into any draft thinking hey if we use some of our early round capital on a wide receiver there's a pretty good chance that we'll get a guy who can contribute uh, at, at the professional level. But I just don't quite get the, the amount of patience. I, I understand some patience. I don't understand shooting an entire year in the foot because you're not even going to worry about it until you're more prepared to make a, a slightly better run at a wide receiver. I just, I, I think that if you're going to hire a defensive coach, I don't quite get going defense all as much as they did early on and then there was just sort of a weird disconnect between we have a stud franchise quarterback and what they did basically the rest of the offseason so I, I think it's too early to say that they're not you know they're not trying to help him and they're not interested in that but I do agree with people when they say that polls kind of dropped the ball on that because I can't I can't see why that I can't see a way that they could have got a little better, right? Like they could have done something a little more aggressive than they did. So before I let you go, Cam, 
the the Bears won't play until yet another national TV game, which should be mm-hmm. illegal. It's a it's it's a crime <laughs> against humanity that the Bears are going to be on national TV. And now Justin Fields, looking ill-equipped as an NFL quarterback, is going to be going up against Bill Belichick, something that Belichick designs. Part of me says mm-hmm. this is awful. It's unfair. It is. It 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 is something that it is. I'd rather be waterboarded. But another part <laughs> of me says I think this is great. If there's a new level, if there's more depth to where. Justin Fields can sink to Bill Belichick would seemingly expose it. And I would want to know it. There's that's kind of a savage way to go about it but yeah. for that for, but for that reason, if this is all about, if this season's all about learning about Justin Fields, can he do this? Will he do this? I think the bears are pretty lucky. They're facing a Belichick team, even though this isn't one of the Patriots best teams. What do you think about their next game and what Belichick might do and how this will reflect on Justin Fields? Uh, yeah, I was going to say that's, that's, a, that's a really dark way of thinking about it, but I, I certainly get it in Chicago. Um, I, I think you're right. I think that it is um, – I, uh, I, I think there's a, a plenty of reason to be concerned. I think your point about the rookie quarterbacks versus Belichick is as valid as any. I, I think it's just, you know, it's – it's the next great challenge. And I agree. This is what you wanted if you're a Bears fan. I know that it is, it is frustrating because it feels like maybe they should have won a couple of games they shouldn't. And even though they haven't played that well, and there's this, there's this feeling that even a bad Bears team is not reaching right now. And that is a frustrating aspect to what was also supposed to be a bad year. But this is what you want if you're a Bears fan. You want to see Justin Fields go against the smartest minds in the NFL, and you want to see whether he can operate the offense against some of the smartest defenses. And, yeah, it is by all means probably going to be pretty ugly. And, you know, I, I am glad that people that are just watching casually can just go to bed and not have to worry about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it is – it's it's good for it's good for the evaluation of Justin Fields, which is the most important part of this season. So yeah, I agree. It's it's an important game this year, as opposed to maybe other ones that uh, that won't be as much. Well, you've come to the dark side, haven't you, Cam? Welcome, <laughs> yeah. welcome like to that, the dark yeah. side. Yeah, yeah I appreciate, appreciate it. your appreciate your time today. Thank you. Of course, thanks for having That's, me. All right, Cam Ellis of the Score. He covers the Bears for Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score, 670.com. You can find him on uh, 670score.com. You can find his his thoughts there. And um, I just, you know, looking at that going, oh my God, it's Belichick and it's Fields. This is gonna be ugly. Okay. Maybe what they need is ugly, as if this hasn't already been, but Belichick will kind of be a barometer. This is where you are. This is the smartest guy in football. This is where you are with your quarterback. Maybe you will need to get a new one. Maybe you won't. Maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe we'll see some of that progress that the the delusional coaches keep talking about. We're going to take a break. Uh, Later on this hour, we'll bring you the Trent Dilfer interview with Parkins and Spiegel. Talk about Justin Fields examining what happened against the commanders at home. But first, there's a cultural zeitgeist moment I talked about that I want to reflect on. And 206 texter had heard me say this before, 
not only is your favorite singer, Bob Dylan, bang, exclamation point, from the same small town as Roger Maris, 61 was also the year Bob moved to New York City. That was, of course, 61 years ago. I'm guessing, this 206 texture says, I'm guessing Judge hitting 62 is your zeitgeist moment. But I know you can't stand Bob Dylan. Yes, you're right. I can't stand Bob Dylan. And no, you're wrong. It's not Aaron Judge. It's something, something more cultural. And we'll come back with that after this. Thank you, Suckageers, for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast baseball is back and so is mlb.tv watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere anytime all season long follow the action live or on demand Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Go back in there and wait for the wolf who should be coming directly. You sending the wolf? No, you feel better, The Wolf, yes. 206 texter who thought our cultural zeitgeist moment was Judge hitting 62. No, thanks for playing our game. 28 years ago, Friday, Pulp Fiction debuted. English, mother do you speak it? Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, one viciously angry man. 
and I'm doing some more. <clears throat> so there's a story about that audition. Carl Quintanilla of CNBC relates wonderful <clears throat> movie nuggets like this one. One in line to audition. Samuel L. Jackson was mistaken for Mr. Fishburne by a crew member. So he's angry. He walks into the audition with some fast food he had just bought, including burger, and he starts sipping the shake. And an executive said, I was scared bleepless. And what you saw on screen was Samuel L. Jackson drawing from being mistaken, from being not being known as himself as an actor. But here's the thing. Years later, and I, I would think it was Letterman. I want to say it was Letterman. Samuel L. Jackson's on. He's promoting another movie. And he's asked, what does the L stand for in Samuel L. Jackson? He goes, Lawrence Fishburne. I, great answer. Just an absolute great answer. So in that scene, when when Lawrence Fishburne, when Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta go to the house of Marcellus Wiley's business partners, they're speaking to the main business partner, and it's Brett. Check out the big brain on Brad. Yes, yeah. my check. That's right. The big brain on Brad. Even the metric system, Le Royale. So, you know Brett, sports fans. You know Brett. I, I guess I'm late coming to this. For all I thought I knew about the movie, do you know where you know Brett from? Trash Panda. Do you know? Where no, you I have know? no idea actually. Frank Joseph Whaley is an American actor, film writer, a film director, screenwriter, and comedian. He played Brett in Pulp Fiction, as we heard. He played Robbie Krieger in The Doors, and he played young Archie Moonlight Graham in Field of Dreams. I did not connect those dots. Arch Moonlight Graham, that was Brett. Check out the big brain on Brett. Well, no wonder I didn't connect those. I've seen those other movies maybe once each. How many times have you seen Pulp Fiction? That's a good question. It's one of those movies that I think I've only seen, sat down and watched all the way through once, but uh -huh. I've seen it collectively multiple times. I just... Because you know you can sit down at any point in the movie and just it's you know because it's you know one of those Tarantino movies where it's like oh okay I I, well, I, I know what's going on here. It wasn't one of those movies because it was all this scene relates to this scene. It was not linear. It was all out of order. It was oh here's how we got here. Here's how we got back okay, to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know what you're saying, but it's I guess it's one of those movies that I'd seen it once and I know it's all out of order. And I could just sit down and be like, okay, I know roughly what's going on now. And the, <clears throat> you know, we often hear stories about actors who passed on certain roles or were considered and, and didn't get it. Like very famously, <clears throat> Al Pacino wanted to play Reg. He wanted to play Reg. He wanted to play in Slapshot. He wanted to be the coach. He wanted Paul Newman's role, except Al Pacino couldn't skate. Paul, Paul Newman sort of could. So the idea of <clears throat> Al Pacino as coach of the in Slapshot, we know that <clears throat> his mouth could have handled it, his legs could not. 
But there was one of these roles in Pulp Fiction. You remember Butch, right? Trash Panda, you remember the role of Butch? Yes. You know who Butch is? Matt Dillon was offered that role. Matt Dillon was offered the role of Butch, and then he said he wanted to sleep on it, which enraged Tarantino. He's out. Matt Dillon doesn't get the role. And then Tarantino later recalled, once I got Bruce Willis, we had our movie star. We were all good. Bruce Willis made us legit. Matt Dillon passed on Butch. How dare you? That whole that whole gimp thing and things like that. So I was discussing this, um, discussing various Tarantino movies, and my my Trader Joe's now now has a guy named Toby, and I can't help but that opening scene from Reservoir Dogs and the and the 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 diner and the Toby Toby and I can't say it. Nobody can say it. Tarantino movies on that. Do you have is do you have a favorite Tarantino movie? The one you would watch start to finish, often, often, often. Oh, it's Pulp Fiction. It is. It's, yeah, for sure. And I'll be I'll I'll readily admit I I've never been a huge Tarantino film watcher, so I'm not a guy that seeks them out regularly. I kind of just catch them randomly. But if I'm picking one, it's Pulp Fiction. Okay. Well, what's yours? All right. Um, Reservoir Dogs is second to Kill Bill Volume One. Kill Bill Volume One. I just see now. Well, here's where you're gonna I, get mad at me. I haven't seen Kill Bill. So then you can't even have this discussion. No, I can't. But I told you what my favorite Tarantino movie is. It's Pulp Fiction. <laughs> have you only seen one? Is that the only Tarantino movie you've seen? Oh no, no, no. I've seen I've seen Reservoir Dogs. Oh, okay. All right. I I wasn't sure it would be that would be the whole Bill Murray thing, right? Where he's the on Saturday Night Live on the on the uh, weekend update, and he would be the film critic, and he was giving his picks. And then here comes time for Best Picture, and he didn't see four of them. So based on what I've seen, this is the one that's going to win the Oscar. That's where I thought we well, were headed. With well, yeah, you. you know, based based on the two uh, based on the ones that I've seen, yeah, picking Pulp Fiction. <laughs> i do need to watch reservoir dogs again though it's been quite a while yeah yeah you'll never hear steelers wheels the same again michael madsen's great i mean the, the the group the the tarantino group his his coterie of actors they're they're spectacular michael madsen is outstanding i i love that guy and that's why I love Kill Bill. Everybody got a, everybody got their role. Everybody got their star turn, in, and I thought it it was excellent. So that's Kill Bill Volume One, and then Reservoir Dogs. I don't know if you saw. I saw this headline. I, <laughs> I didn't. I it almost sounded like something from The Onion, and this is from CNBC on Friday on their Twitter feed. Quote. Beyond Meat executive Doug Ramsey leaves company following arrest for allegedly biting man's nose. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> say say I, that again. I don't think I quite took I, in all of I, that. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Beyond Meat executive Doug Ramsey leaves company 
following arrest for allegedly biting man's nose. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the details. I just saw the headline and I thought, maybe they should start making plant-based noses. <laughs> so, so, you, so you could, but maybe it's not um, a violation then. I have no idea what happened in that story. That <laughs> bit a man's nose. He's an executive for Beyond Meat. It just everything is everything. It just brings it all together. All right, there Todd, we go. Todd from the Seven Seven Nine says all Tarantino movies suck. Well, they don't. But you're listening to Saturday Suckage, so I'm glad you're coming around on that whole thing. Two Two Four Texter says. So unrelated, Sylvester Stallone passed on the role of Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop. I could not imagine that movie without Eddie Murphy. Eddie, I, I just, it's got to be Eddie Murphy. I don't, how, how do you not do that? Wow, that's a, that was a horrible thought. That's, that's one of those. But you pick a movie star. Yeah, it's one of those, one of those hindsight things, you know, like you can't, you can't envision any other voice for Darth Vader besides James Earl Jones, you know? So what if he didn't do that part, right? No, they wouldn't have. They would have had to invent it. It would have had, it would have had to be computer generated because you needed that. They knew what they were doing. It, that's true. You're, you're right about that. Yeah, I don't think it would have been anyone else anyway. But I, I, wasn't wow. it, was, didn't Tom Selleck famously pass on hair playing uh han solo or something like that i think I it was, Tom Selleck. was it. yeah like, yeah yeah so i mean it's like you imagine what if it wasn't harrison ford playing han solo there's no way that tom Solo could have could have pulled off that level of cool and arrogant and yet also really is the nice guy i don't know i think he could have i'm a Selleck guy i i could have i i could imagine that i don't know if but it's hard because he <clears throat> because he's such an indelible character as Han Solo. Yeah. I, it's hard. I'm trying to imagine when I do that, when, when we talk about putting this actor in that role, the picture that comes to mind is the Star Wars bar scene, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Could I imagine Tom Selleck in that bar? I Tom Selleck with his mustache in that bar? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. when he shaved the mustache, yeah. I wonder if that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he refused to save the mustache. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> or no, not doing it without the mustache. That's the way. It, um, now, A15 texture said it was Indiana Jones and not. Oh, Star Wars. It was, all right. I, I knew it was one of the. All right. Well, excuse me. I knew it was one okay. of those famous early Harrison Ford roles that Tom Selleck passed on. I don't know that that would be that would be hard. How much of a how much of a career would Mark Cody have if ever everybody except Harrison Ford took all these roles? See, I don't I don't know. I don't want to deny Mark Cody all of the lines, all of the voices, and I don't see maybe I'm I don't see the the, the Sean Connery Indiana Jones. I don't see that working with. I don't see that working with anybody else. That had to be Harrison Ford because that was just perfect. Oh, of course. That was wonderful. And I did just confirm that Tom Selleck had to pass on he had to pass on Indiana Jones due to contractual obligations. 
Yeah, they weren't going to pay him enough in the contract. That's how that usually goes. 847, you'd have to pay two salaries, one for Tom and one for the mustache. Yeah, yes, you would. See, there's your contractual obligation. <laughs> All right. Are we out of here? Are we breaking? We signed. Yeah, we got, we got a break. Let's break. Right. That was our cultural zeitgeist moment. And 224 Texter says, I think Grover was up for the C3PO role. Boom. He got all of that one. All right. I'm Steve Rosenblum with Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Well, thank everybody who listened to this show, everyone who produced it, which would be Trash Panda and company. I want to thank Mark Grody, Cam Ellis, and if nobody important listened, then I'll be back next Saturday. I want to bring you Trent Dilfer on with Parkins and Spiegel yesterday after the Bears lost on Thursday night. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's... uh. God, I lived it. You know, I lived it in 96, 98, where you're, it doesn't matter how good the quarterback plays, his mistakes will be maximized or um, amplified, I should say. And the margin for error is so small. Um, they just they, they can't protect. Uh, they can run the ball. That's why they have such a high volume of carries. And I love what Jaws used to say all the time. Uh, Ron Jaworski, when he was at ESPN, he said, you got to run the ball, but you got to throw to score. Like you run because there's a mentality to it. It's a great, it's a great way of moving the football. It establishes, sets up a lot of things, but you score by throwing. And when you can't protect, you can't throw it in the end zone. Uh, and when you can't catch, you can't convert. So I broke it down. I did something different this time. And I think it'll kind of help the conversation as it relates to fields is I went back and I used a grading system that's pretty commonly used um, throughout the league, uh, throughout evaluators. And I did a plus, double plus, minus, minus, double minus system. And when you grade a quarterback, the easiest way to do I think this is the best method of doing it. We've been doing it like this for years at Elite 11. We do it college evaluation. I do this for pro. Um, the, the GMs I consult with, I use this grading system uh, for the draft-eligible quarterbacks. And basically for the audience, a plus is you made a play. Okay, so you did something outside the X's and O's. You did something, I don't want to say exceptional, but it's beyond the X's and O's. A double plus is an exceptional play. It's a one percenter play. Only the best can make that play. Uh, a minus, we call that an amateur mistake. So a wide open receiver, Pettis in the flat, throws it in the dirt uh, is an example um, and then a double minus is a critical mistake. Does that help kind of lay context here? Yep. Yeah, it, it, it does. So do you want to go through it or do you want us to throw yeah. plays at you? No, no, I'll go. Well, yeah, we can go specific plays. I have them circled on. If you're watching my fat body on Twitch right now with my old man glasses, you can see <laughs> yeah, I, you look I got the I got the play by plays out so I can refer back to those plays. But it's actually pretty encouraging from a Justin Fields grading standpoint. The good thing about this grading system is it's still a little subjective, right? I mean, I might argue with a Kurt Warner on what an exceptional play is. Uh, amateur mistake. You could probably add one more minus here. I was pretty friendly to him. In the first drive, I think it is, he misses Mooney on like a deep in route. Yep. Hook mm -hmm. route to the right. 
but the defender's breaking inside and he throws it low and outside. I'm kind of, I'm a risk management guy. Tom Brady is also, by the way, a lot of Tom Brady's misses are away from where defenders are breaking. So I kind of gave him a hall pass on that, so, that one. But if you want to give him a minus, I'd be fine with that. Um, I have him seven pluses, which was pretty impressive. Two double pluses, which I think is a big deal. What are the double pluses? The double pluses can, can I are guess? The, the big scramble uh, yep. in the last drive of the game. And the Pettis touchdown? And the Pettis touchdown. And I'm assuming he took a massive hit on that. The replay doesn't show the pocket. It just shows him on the ground squirming. So you got to tell me on the live broadcast. They missed it. Just, they missed it, it Trent. It, seem, it seems like he got the, the, the uh, sweat pushed Jones back into him. I don't think it was a massive shot. But like he like basically like his own tackle kind of got thrown into him and then and then he fell back is how it looked to me on the live play. I don't think it was a massive shot, right? But he he definitely got fell on by a three hundred plus pound. He human. did he did stand in the pocket and take uh, contact. But yeah, Amazon that was so their first touchdown in two weeks and they missed it live. Yeah, yeah, yeah figures Amazon missed it. Yeah. But my point there is a double plus, and this is pretty common. Most quarterbacks would double plus that because anytime you have pocket conflict. On a vertical dime, that's a double plus because that's a hard throw. I mean, you ask anybody uh, if you have people in coming up in your business, yeah, and you got to rip it downfield with accuracy. I mean, that's why we're pros, right? That's what we can do that Johnny across the street can't do, and that that's a double plus. So, um, so let me go back: seven pluses, two double pluses, three minuses. I could easily buy four minuses there on the first possession, Mooney miss, and then one double minus the interception, which he tries to sidearm. All these guys are changing their arm angle uh, on crossing routes and in breaking routes, and it's actually really cool when you have throwing lanes, but you can't do it when you don't have a throwing lane, and that's why it hits the helmet. So I gave that a double minus. I pretty much, I'm pretty harsh on turnovers. Pretty much any turnover where the quarterback has any culpability, uh, I'm going to give a double minus. The, so the, that's the, the missed throw to ryan griffin yep. in the end zone it, that's only Let's a, talk about it that's only a single minus no it's not even that, listen so i want to have i put debate on that so okay. i put let, let me get to my note here um crap figures i can't see anything but i put debate here and here's the one i want to explain please if somebody has the replay pull it up because it's gonna be really hard to explain and i gotta be politically correct how i say it when you're throwing a touch ball especially a touch ball that has a vertical element to it. So you're leading a guy. So think of anything where you're leading the guy up the field. The hardest thing to make is an accurate throw when that player's groin, we'll use his groin, his junk, is not pointed forward. Think about it. Anybody that's ever played pickleball that you've, at any level of your life, you've been an athlete. If your junk is pointing forward, you can run your speed, your natural speed. If your junk is pointed inside, you're shuffling and you're giving a false cue of what your speed is. And on that play, he has to layer it over. I think it's a defensive or linebacker because it was a delay. It was like a tight end screen, screen, I mean, block, 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 and then release. And he's going vertical, but is it Griffin or Griffith? Griffin. Griffin's junk's pointed inside. Therefore, his speed is hard to judge. 
And this is something I harp on all over the country when I go do consulting or scheme evaluation or player evaluation. I'm like, you can't blame the quarterback for overthrowing a post route when that guy breaks on a post and his junk goes inside. His junk should be pointing at the goalpost and he should be peeking his chin over his inside shoulder. So that's one I wrote down right away. Everybody's going to call that a whiff. They don't score on the position, possession. They don't get the fourth and one. Justin's going to get all the heat on that. And I would challenge anybody to go throw a touch ball in that moment where you can't gauge a guy's speed. Now, if you can just throw it at him like a dart, different story. doesn't matter where the junk's pointing. Because you're not gauging speed, you're throwing at a target. But when you're throwing that ball, that ball's laid out there to a spot. And you're gauging speed as you're releasing it. And he's given a false cue on his speed. So I will fight to the bitter end for quarterbacks when receivers give them false speed cues on touch balls or vertical balls. You see it all the time on go routes. Young receivers. This is why Aaron Rodgers, by the way, is so ticked at his young receivers. They run a go route. They get separation. And instead of turning their chin over their inside shoulder, they turn their junk inside. Aaron overthrows it by one yard. And he's like, well, wait a second. I threw that ball based on your speed when your junk was pointed forward. And all of a sudden, your junk goes inside and your gait changes and your stride frequency changes, your stride length changes, and that's why I missed you. So that's really interesting. The false indicator of speed because Griffin is pointing inwards and so Fields lofts it where he thinks he would be if the speed was going straight. Uh, We get it, and I hear you. Justin, after the game, said, that's on me. I'm an NFL quarterback. I got to hit that. So what is he to do? Should he adjust and throw a dart instead of touch? Should he read read that the junk is facing inward and wait because the guy was wide open and did Griffin had a couple steps what what is an NFL quarterback to do I guess you adjust I would get with that guy and be like hey I took it in the press conference and he should Justin still eat at the press conference but hey man here's why I missed you let's work on this we do it all we drill this every single day it's my last reminder I make to our receivers before we start the game as long as I coach it'll be the number one thing I harp on with receivers is you, we're running full speed. You guys are great athletes. Quarterbacks are making like millisecond decisions. You can't give them false indicators. So something you work on. And by the way, I, I love that he answered the question that way. And I know there's a bunch of people rolling their eyes going, oh my God, Trent's pontificating and you know being esoteric with all this crap. Go ahead. Believe that all you want. I've been there. And I'll never forget. I miss Bobby Ingram. We're playing Seattle versus, we're playing Seattle versus San Diego. And we run this sweet corner post move inside against split safety look. By the way, I threw for 360 and like three touchdowns in this game. You can look it up. Beat Drew Drew Brees. I'll get right on that. But the two I missed, I'll never forget the two I miss. I miss – well, I actually don't miss. I misread something. Mike Holmgren almost ate my face off as I was coming off the (laughs) sideline. But on this one, I miss Bobby. And we're running, and it's a third and like eight. And we're running off the field, and he looks and goes, dog, my bad. I turned inside. And I went, that's why I love you, Bobby. I love Bobby Ingram forever. By the way, office coordinator of Wisconsin right now. Love Bobby Ingram because he knew it. He knew that when he, after he ran the corner route, he didn't go vertical with his body. He kind of turned inside and I ripped it kind of because I had to beat the safeties. And I ripped it like 30 yards to where I thought he was going to be based on his normal gait. And he, he owned it. And most guys don't own it. Most guys, oh, you missed me. I was wide open. 
but you're not wide open if the ball's throwing you to a spot and your your speed changes when the ball's in the air because that's basically what happens your speed changes or i can't anticipate your speed baseball is back and so is mlb.tv watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere anytime all season long follow the action live or on demand Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.